everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today is our wildcard episode where we're talking to a stage manager to see what their world is like when they're called in to substitute for someone else. And let me tell you, it gets crazy. I'm going to guess you've already listened to the introductory episode by now, so places for top of show. Jen Ash has stage managed multiple Broadway shows, including Wicked, Come From Away, Peter and the Starcatcher, If, Then, Six, and Dear Evan Hansen. She's currently working on POTUS. She also knows what it's like to be a stage manager sub covering for other crew members when one of them has to call out. So yes, she is a standby too. She goes down in history as the only person to have done two different versions of Wicked on the same day, Broadway and the National Touring Company, and we are so thrilled to have her in the Substitute Stage Manager Spotlight today. Jen, welcome to the show. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here. Now, as we know, the show usually is interviewing actors who are covers and understudies and swings. But Kate Dial gave us the amazing heads up to do interviews with crew substitutes as well. And so last season, we had Anne McPherson, who was telling us all about what it's like to be a stage manager sub. And it's something that I want to do every season. So I'm super thrilled that you are here in the wildcard crew substitute episode for season two. And can we just talk about what a stage manager does? Can you just give us a quick, quick definition of what you do on a day-to-day basis? Oh my God. Also, I love the fact that it's a little bit of a wild card slot. I mean, because that's kind of what (laughs) what our job is too. (laughs) The best way that I try to describe it to people is that we're a little bit of a catch-all position in kind of the... I guess like middleman between departments. So we're kind of the thread between worlds. Um, And usually I tell people like, if you think of like a wagon wheel, the show itself is like the wheel and all the different spokes around it are different departments. So like your various, you know, design teams, the performers on stage, crew, press, publicity. I mean, you name it. Every single one of those are a spoke in that wheel. And we are kind of at the hub creatively with the directing team. Essentially, we do everything from understudy rehearsals to help people with their blocking and help, you know, understudies understand what's happening when they need to go on for a role, when they call out, when a performer calls out, we're the ones that put the understudies in um, and make sure that all the departments know what's happening so that, you know, that person is mic'd up, that person has costumes, that person has makeup and a wig. We call the shows. So essentially we are also the person in the driver's seat that makes sure that cues happen in time the way that they're supposed to and and that the show runs. You guys wear so many hats and I love your description because, yeah, it's full of technical stuff, but you're right in terms of you're that go-between of departments and actors and directors and producers sometimes even. And you have to have a certain kind of personality where you're able to stay calm in a crisis. You're able to deal with a lot of different people and a lot of different personalities. I mean, hilariously too. I mean, we're kind of the ones in reality that also help troubleshoot a lot of situations when things go wrong too. So can you give me an example of that? Like maybe something that you could speak to just to give us a little bit of specificity? Yeah. I mean, the kind of easiest thing to touch on, I mean, since the show is all about understudies and and people waiting in the wings is if somebody gets sick in the middle of a show, you know, we're kind of the first people that the performer on stage will come off and tell that, you know, they're not feeling good or, or, or something happened or, you know, is it, 
a situation where we can seamlessly grab, you know, a swing or an understudy in the wings and quickly get them prepped and do a swap out so that the audience doesn't see it until we need to make an announcement to let them know that it happened? Or is it something where we need to stop the show entirely and, and give those people a second to kind of make that change and be able to do that swap and then continue the performance. That's right. That's, you are the yeah. people that the actors communicate with to say like, I just twisted my ankle or, yep. you yeah. know, like something or like I just threw up for the exactly. second time backstage. Exactly. Yeah. Or I mean, and it, it could be something, so it could be something as, you know, as crazy as somebody running off stage going, oh my God, my stomach feels weird. Cause I ate something weird during the dinner break. Um, and then of course there are the larger crises where, like you said, you know, somebody comes off and, and twists an ankle, then, you know, ones that grab meds in a nice pack, take care of them while we get an understudy prep to go on. I love hearing all the different things that you do because it's kind of a nice segue into, can we talk about how you substitute on a show where you are not in the rehearsal room every day? Because normally the stage manager and the ASMs, the assistant stage managers, you're in the room from day one because there's so much to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And so how in God's name (laughs) do you... Come in to cover someone who's been doing that for weeks and weeks or months or months, right? And a show is so technical and there's so much involved and all those personal relationships. How do you fly in at the last minute to cover somebody, you know, a crew member who might have a stomach bug, let's say? Yeah. I mean, that was something that when I initially got into the business, I didn't think of. I mean, completely, it completely slipped my mind, but that's like one of those things, again, like the crew, the crew need understudies too, you know, things happen, you know, constantly and all the time. And when I started to do it, I was coming in and out of a situation where I was familiar with a show and then slowly kind of started getting funneled out to these others. And it definitely takes a certain kind of person because you're trying to take all of those duties and responsibilities that we talked about earlier, but also plug in for a hot second. So it's such a weird fine line because you're also like not necessarily a permanent member of the company, but you're still essentially wearing the hat of somebody that has, because you still have to be someone that all of those departments and people still feel comfortable coming up to so that you can still troubleshoot a situation. Yes. um, If something happens. I, I tip my hat, you know, to every crew sub that has ever done it. Cause it is, it's hard. And I, I definitely have my moments too. Otherwise, once I'm trained on a show, I try to kind of keep, you know, my wits about me and make sure that I don't like just bury my paperwork or my script and, and never look at it until I need it. It's very Pavlovian. Like I've talked to people before about this and it's <laughs> straight, it, it really is. It's the strangest thing. Like once you've done it a couple of times, like when you're in a certain building or a, a certain setup, your brain and your body just kind of know what to do, which is Mm. terrifying, but also like (laughs) kind of amazing all at the same time. I can easily walk in and my feet will be like, okay, this is where you go now. And I'm like, okay, great. And to be, I mean, to be quite frank, there are many moments where I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how that happened or how, how my body knows how to do that. But thank goodness that it does. Cause yeah. Cause it's muscle memory is taking over. Yeah. And And it, you know, it's proven to be a really wonderful skill that is, I mean, helped me pay my bills over the past few years. So wait, so can you be the stage manager and ASM attached to a show and still be a substitute on other shows or can you only do one or the other? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So yes and no. I mean, yeah, if you're not like full-time necessarily anywhere. So like the kind of weird amalgamous thing about like 
most crew subs, like stage managers included, is that you kind of exist on these like weird temporary contracts with all of these different productions, right? So like all these guys pick you up, but you're essentially there on a short-term basis for a writer kind of situation. So in that case, then it becomes like a show by show situation contractually, depending on where you go or who calls you. So a lot of times in that, in that capacity, then you can be at multiple shows. So it's not, it's really not out of the norm when you talk to crew subs or, or, you know, sub stage managers where, you know, they're at one show for a matinee on a Saturday and then they, you know, run across the street or a couple blocks down eighth Avenue and they're at another for the evening performance, just with the way things work out. (laughs) I had plenty of situations where somebody had a personal day for like a birthday party or something for a matinee. And I'm like, okay, great. And I'll like walk in. And as I'm leaving the building or in the middle of act two of that performance, I get a phone call that's like somebody's sick and not feeling good. Can you do the evening show over here? And I'm like, yep. Okay. And then off I go. (laughs) Wow. So how many shows can you hold in your brain at once? I would recommend no more than four. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, (laughs) truly. Um, Because the the thing about stage managers too, is that, I mean, similar to a swing for like a show, you have different tracks in every show. So like, for example, like what that would be. So like I mentioned, like stage managers call the show. So like that would be a track. There are rehearsal stage managers, for example, for some performances um, and some productions. So like that is another track. Um, and then we have stage managers on the deck too. And those are the people that are, you know, your, your kind of eyes and feet on the ground the boots on the ground, so to speak. And, and typically depending on the show, you have one or two of those people on the floor to kind of keep eyes on things and, and touch base with people. And some shows have as little as one person on the deck. Some people has a, you know, have as many as seven, um, depending right. on the size of the show and every single one of those bodies is a track that you potentially have to learn and, and remember. And cause it's different traffic, it's different cues. It's, it's, it's a whole slew of things. What do you do on a day where you're shadowing somebody? And yeah. I believe Anne said in the last season that you guys only have an average of two days. Is that right? To train, to, to, to track somebody and kind of learn the show. Yeah, exactly. So basically the, I mean, the very quick and dirty of that is that you would come in. So if you're training, you would come in and you would watch the person who's the full-time person do what they do on one, one in one capacity of what that track is. So like, if you're focusing, for example, on like, this is the stage, right? Stage manager for this day. And you would kind of hone in all your energy on that person. And they would show you the track for that. So basically I mean, similarly to, you know, a performer walking around, you walk the traffic with them, you get to observe them doing their cues, they'll talk you through it and kind of tell you what that is. So that's essentially your first day. And then the second day is a little bit of more of a hands-on situation and a shoving, I, I call it shoving with love. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I love that expression. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a shove with love situation and you just flip flop. And so that person then watches you do what you just watched them do. Mm. And, and then usually that's it depend. (laughs) And and then you're, you're solo. That's crazy to me. I mean, some shows, depending (gasps) on the kind of complexity of it, have a little bit more, or if some people, some people also have, you know, different varying ways of learning, like Anne mentioned the two days and, and like that is, is kind of very typical for most, most crew people in the industry. 
some folks have, again, we all learn differently. We all kind of take information in differently. And, and some people have a little bit of a different learning curve. So like, depending on that, then may, maybe if you're lucky, you get an extra day. Do but you no, feel two like days two days is, is enough? Can I, cause you've done this a lot. So I just, yeah. do you feel like two days is enough? Honestly, it, I think it depends. I don't know. I, I, I almost feel like it's a little bit of a like fight or flight response. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm, I'm conditioned to know that that's what that is. So it's like, you almost have like a dead date. You know what I mean? Where like, when you're learning, I'm like, well, I don't have a choice. So I better, <laughs> you know, I, I better collect this all in my brain because if I get called in on day three, I'm solo and running it by myself and no one is watching me. And now I am this person. There are definitely instances where I've learned a show and, and done a couple of things where I'm like, oh, I definitely could have used more time, but like, here we go. We're riding the yeah. bike on fire now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening whether I like it or not. And like the thing too, is that for, for everybody, I think just in general, I mean, once the show starts. I mean, that's, that's the train is out of the station. Like yeah. you kind of, oh, yeah. you know, and there's so many, it's true. I mean, there's so many moving parts to that locomotive that like, you kind of can't, you don't have time to kind of do otherwise, you know, you have to find a way to plug yourself in. And some people are really successful at doing that and have the ability to do it. And other people don't. And I, I mean, but a lot of those people end up leaving the industry or end up shifting gears in a different capacity because they realize it's not for them. It's hard. It's high stress. It's fast paced. And you're kind of in, you know, I mentioned the fight or flight thing, but you're kind of in that kind like that mode of adrenaline for a very long time, you know, consistently yeah. for many years or, you know, many, yeah. many instances. And, and that's kind of what that is. Yeah. And that's something that I think all, like you were saying, whether you're in the show or in on the crew, I feel mm -hmm. like that's something as an understudy or swing or standby that we all have in common is yeah. that sort of um, middle ground where you're always kind of in that heightened state of, okay, anything could happen at any time. <laughs> totally. Um, well, and like, you never want to be the person where you're like, oh God, I'm the reason why the show stopped. You, you know, yeah. <laughs> you want to keep, you want to keep going. So like, it's yeah. also the kind of thing of like, okay, well, I know these 50 people are used to this person moving this way and them doing this traffic. So I better not screw it up. Can you tell me about like the first time that you went on as a sub or maybe, yeah. you know, one of the first few times and just like what that was like and what was going on in your brain? Well, talk about the, the two day situation. So that was one where I was like, well, I could have used more time, but I guess that's not happening. Um, <laughs> the, the first time that I trained and actually was a sub, I before I was part of the union, I had actually initially sent in like an email to trail at Wicked and was like, oh, this would be a great opportunity to observe and kind of like, you know, like know the ropes and, and figure out what's going on. Yeah. I found out by virtue of that, that they had an internship available. So I actually was able to intern at Wicked, which allowed me to trail the stage managers. Hmm. It wasn't, a, it wasn't in a training capacity. It was, you know, what I you know mentioned to you and we had talked about, you know, shadowing, you get to watch them and observe and purely an educational experience. It was lovely. I had a great time. And then kind of as time passed, when that had ended, when I came back as a sub for the show, the person that was training me. So I, I did one, I did my one side of the stage and was observed and, and did it and flew solo and was like, great. And they were like, great, let's train you on the other side of the stage. And I was like, all right, fantastic. So we started training. And the, fir the first day that I trailed, we got midway through act one and the lovely person who trained me, she was expecting. So she <gasps> was very pregnant, <laughs> very, very oh. pregnant. 
she was like maybe like four weeks out from her due date. Like she didn't, she didn't have a baby on the deck. So let me like, yeah. okay. that didn't happen. But like nobody was like, there we're hanging like, on every word right now. We're yeah, like- I know. I was like with bated breath or was it like a midwife situation, like in the middle of Oz, like off stage left, I promise. But yeah, we, we made it through the middle of act one. And as we were like walking across the deck, she, you know, mentioned that she was like not feeling well and she was kind of cramping up and, and not feeling good. And, and our head carpenter who happens to walk with you in this one queue even was like, I think you're having a baby tomorrow. And she was like, no, no, there's no way. And as we keep going, she steadily keeps saying like, no, I'm not feeling good. No, I'm not feeling good. Oh no! And at one point, finally, she turns to me and she was like, you've seen it. These are now the easier cues for the rest of the show. You have a run sheet. Do you feel okay? And I was like, <gasps> I-, I mean, sure. And she was like, okay. And she had to go and kind of sit off stage to get off her feet. She couldn't follow me anymore because she just wasn't physically able to. Oh my Um, God. So she was still present and on the deck, but then hilariously, like I was suddenly writing cues by myself. And then sure enough, the show ended, everything was fine and lovely. And I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was never in a situation where like it was dangerous and, or, you know, and I'm, I was yeah. very familiar yeah. with the show at the time, but it was just such a funny moment. Cause I was like, oh, I guess we're doing this now. And then, you know, sure as heck, we got done at the end of the show. She goes home. She came back in the next day and she was like, oh no, I'm having a baby. My husband's <gasps> coming and, you know, bringing the car. She came to the theater to finish up her paperwork. <laughs> to pass oh, not to see snap yeah. stage manager. I'm see, snapping. Like, I know. I'm like the most nice. people in the world. And I'm like, you're in the middle of labor, like early, <laughs> early onset labor. And you're like, you know, typing out your duties for the, you know, the sub that's going to cover your maternity leave. But yeah, so that was that, that was a moment. I mean, there, and there have been a lot of like weird, funky moments like that where I'm like, I've been called cold off the street to come in mid show. And I'm like, well, I haven't done this performance in like four months, but here we go. And so how do you, how do you stay fresh at home? Because you're not getting paid right to be like on call. You're only oh, I mean, paid I would, oh when you show up, right? Yeah, no, I, w- I mean, I wish, I wish I was, I mm-hmm. wish there was like some magical retainer situation for, for everyone. I mean mm-hmm. that, cause I mean, again, you know, it's, it's gig work. All of us know what that is, <laughs> but yeah, I tend to just kind of take a look at, at my stuff every once in a while. And, and it's like reading my morning paper, I'll have like my coffee and look at some cue sheets and, and just kind of keep tabs on stuff. If I know that I'm going in in advance, then obviously like I'll spend some, some more, you know, diligent time studying and be, be a little bit more like dutiful about it and, and take a look at stuff. But yeah, that world is so bizarre. I mean, just that analogy that you said earlier, it's like riding the bike when it's on fire. I mean, oh, totally. Cause it's like, it's still going to go and you still have to pedal. <laughs> you yeah. just got to keep going. Yeah. So like, let me ask you this. What, what was your journey into stage management? Like, did you already, did you know it was a thing? Like when I was growing up, even wanting to be an actor or performer in some way and taking these like electives in high school or college, like I didn't really know about stage management. So I'm just so curious, like how that came into your world. Yeah, no, I had no clue. I had no idea what this was. I mean, my, my like bubble and capacity of knowing what a stage manager was, was like all of the cheeky references, like on TV with you, you know, with like the dippy person on a TV set when they show backstage on, on, on like a TV episode with a headset on and you're like, Oh, that's, that's a, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But not in the same capacity, like theatrically, like I had no idea that what I do now for a living existed. And very quick and dirty of it is that way back in high school, I 
had to take theater as, you know, of elective kind of situation. It was nothing like crazy. It was just taking a theater class where you sit in a black box and talk about plays and maybe do a little acting and that kind of thing. Because I'm uh, a budding overachiever, uh, I needed some extra credit. I didn't need, I wanted extra credit. Let's just be honest. <laughs> um, and so they were doing a production of the Scottish play and the theater teacher was like, we need a stage manager. I actually like, uh, after observing you in class, if you really want, you know, this extra credit opportunity, you should hop on as a stage manager for um, this production mm. and help us out. And I was like, oh, that, that seems like that might be too much. Hilariously, like initially I was like, oh, that's too much, but I'll like help out in another capacity. So I ended up running the light board in high school, you know, tech theater for, uh-huh. for the yeah. Scottish play. And I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time and was like, oh, I kind of like this and decided to like stick around with it. And so the next production came up and, and again, I got approached by the, the drama teacher at my high school. And he was like, I really think that you have a knack for this. So you should try stage management. You seem really organized. You're on top of it. People listen to you. People feel comfortable talking to you, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. And I, I mean, also in like such a far minimal capacity to what I do now did it and actually really fell in love with it. Cause I realized kind of then that like, Oh, I, I, I kind of like being one of these fun, quirky theater kids, but I'm not fully in that, like guise of being a performer or an actor, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not any of those things, but it was an interesting take. Cause I was like, Oh, this is something still really cool that I can still be a part of just in a different capacity. And that was something that I didn't know existed. And it it is because it's a weird in between where like high schoolers usually are like people, you know, refer to, you know, stagehands as like the little techies, you know, and like all those kids that help throw things together. And I was like, well, I'm not that, but I'm also not a performer. Mm. And so truly like, uh, you know, God bless educators, but like my high school theater teacher was the one that he was like, you should do this. As I got a little older and went into college, I didn't think that there was a place for that professionally. I very much was in a position where like so many people were like, no, this is not a thing. You're never going to, you know, you're never going to work. You're never going to have a job. So I swayed away from that and decided to go into film and TV, which was like so crazy. And I was like, well, I I mean, I can do something related to it. You know what I mean? Where I was in some capacity, like at at the very least, my plan B was like, I can find, you know, a place almost anywhere in the country that'll at least at the very least have like a TV station and I can work there. Yeah. 100%. And yeah. And once I got into college, I started doing my, you know, my stuff for undergrad and the first year of my undergrad degree, I really missed doing live performance. Like I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed the film and TV world and, and I respect it, but yeah, it was just that kind of thing where I was like, something's really missing. And so I asked to tack on a second degree in theater and and was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for broke and, and try it and tacked it on and did that knowing that kind of the two careers still feed hand in hand with each other. So I kept on going. And once I finished, I decided to go for broke and come to New York and give it a shot because it just I realized that I really enjoy being the person that helps facilitate art, you know, and it's my thing with it. And and part of the reason why I enjoy it is because again, I like facilitating art. I like facilitating that creativity, but not necessarily needing to be that creative being, but I can also help do all of these things to help people do what they do in, in their own capacity and do what they do best. And also it's a fun ride to be able to see people doing what they love. Jen, you have been such a great guest. I love hearing about this stuff. I'm so thrilled 
that we're doing the sort of wild card um, episode every season, getting a stage manager's point of view, because talk about people who go unnoticed, right? Talk about <laughs> people who don't get a ticket parade, you know, yeah, when yeah. they, when they but hilariously, I mean, hilariously though, if you don't notice that I'm there, I did my job. Well, that's right. That's right. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah, but you know, I'm trying to bring you yeah. guys out into the light. I think it's important. And also I'm hoping that this podcast reaches students, whether they're in high school or college or even graduate school and really sharing your journey like that is going to help somebody out there who may be having those same thoughts. Like I'm yeah. in theater class and like, I really like it, but something's off. I haven't really found my place yet. Yeah. And to hear that journey, I think is really inspirational. So thank you so much for coming on the pod and sharing that with us. Oh my God, of course. Well, I was just going to say that I love to offer little little incentives to folks that go to the website, which is www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com um, and sign up to be a patron and support us and support the show. And so I was going to ask you what our listeners might get if they do that. What is some behind the scene content that you can provide based on the stage management world for us? Totally. I mean, I have such a hodgepodge of things and memories and, and stories, which is so funny. So like in kind of providing some fun little like tidbits for listeners, I had a moment where I was like, oh, there's so many things to to choose from. Um, but yeah, stage management perspective, I, you know, have some really fun pictures of me kind of calling a show. Um, so what that vantage point looks like. Um, so for this one, it, it happens to be me at the Gershwin and what our calling position is at that theater is actually very unique because most people call from backstage, but we're actually in the driver's seat front of house. So it's one of the few places where you actually get a full view of the audience and the stage, which is kind of really cool. Oh, and very wonderful. cool. And just some like fun, silly pictures of, of me with some monkeys and, and me watching, you know, things in the wings that people snap pictures of me. And I didn't realize that they were snapping pictures of me, but yeah, I've also got some, you know, fun content from load in days on tour when I was on if then back in the day and, um, a gig that I did for MTV at Brooklyn bowl with um, fallout boy. Yeah. Oh, so, like, so super, cool. Super fun stuff. Yeah. Jen, this has been an absolute delight from all of us out here to you. Thank you so much for taking the time because I know that you're in tech right now for POTUS and you must be absolutely exhausted. So it means <laughs> the world that you came and you made time to do my little show. And I just wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. No, it was so great. And oh my God, please, 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 please. Broadway's back. Please come to shows. Come do it. We're doing things. Hey guys, Amanda here. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit the website www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com and unlock some of that awesome behind-the-scenes content. Thanks.